Hi, it's Mark Bittman. Welcome to Food. As always, you can email us at food at markbittman.com. We will answer your questions either on the air or by email. Send us your questions, answers, rants, raves, loves, hates, etc., etc. Please do subscribe to the podcast and have a look also at our thrice weekly newsletter, The Bitman Project. That's at bitmanproject.com. Well worth a look. Okay, here goes the show. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One thing I have never understood is how to work it so that when you're married, things keep happening to you. Things happen to you when you're single. You meet new men, you travel alone, you learn new tricks, you read trollop, you try sushi, you buy nightgowns, you shave your legs. Then you get married and the hair grows in. I love the everydayness of marriage. I love figuring out what's for dinner and where to hang the pictures and do we owe the Richardsons but life does tend to slow to a crawl. The whole summer Mark was secretly seeing Thelma Rice while pretending to be at the dentist. I was cooking. That's what I do for a living. I write cookbooks. And while I did discover a fairly revolutionary and absolutely foolproof way to make a four-minute egg, and had gotten to the point where I simply could not make a bad vinaigrette, this was not exactly the stuff of drama. Even now, I cannot believe Mark would want to risk losing that vinaigrette. You just don't jump into vinaigrettes that good. Before that, there had been a lot of time spent on swatches and couches and floor plans. It was almost as if Mark had a career as a columnist and I had a career as a food person and our marriage had a career as a fighter with contractors. 
I wonder how many of you recognized what you just heard. Here's a hint. It was read by the writer Delia Efron, sister of the late and wonderful and much-beloved Nora Ephron. Got it yet? It was from the novel Heartburn, which is now astonishingly celebrating its 40th anniversary. It's a good book that I might even call one of a kind. Not only is it that good, but it's a novel about infidelity and heartbreak and other things that aren't happy, but it still reads as funny and even joyful at times. I reread it two weeks ago in preparation for this podcast, and I just could not believe how well it's held up. But Nora Ephron was nothing if not worthy of all the hype that came to her. Sleepless in Seattle, and when Harry met Sally, Nora Ephron. And with Delia, one of her three sisters, Nora wrote, You've Got Mail and Mixed Nuts. Kate and I were so thrilled that Delia accepted our invitation to come on the podcast to talk about heartburn and many of her and Nora's other accomplishments and New York and lots of food, of course, and sibling relationships and how much she loved her sister. A successful writer in her own right, Delia's most recent book is Left on Tenth, A Second Chance at Life, about her leukemia diagnosis and subsequent happy recovery and new love. She was a joy to talk to. Delia, I have to tell you, so Heartburn is one of my all-time favorite books, and I read it for the first time not that long ago. I would say within the last five years, and I reread it and also listened to the audiobook before this interview. And I'm sort of embarrassed to admit this, but in the beginning, there's a part where Rachel talks about the problem sister, and I thought, oh, I wonder... This is really embarrassing again. I wonder if this book is <laughs> semi-autobiographical. <laughs> I know there are four sisters, you know. I wonder if she's, like, bringing in her personal experiences. I had no idea that it was a bit of a Ramona Clay. And I have to say that even... <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't know, and I'm so embarrassed, but... Even without knowing that, it was one of my favorite books, you know? Yeah. It doesn't actual, matter. It's a, it's so smart, the book. It's so smart about marriage and divorce and betrayal. And it's like, it's like you know, this, you know, well, writers take what happens to them and they make something out of it. And this happened to Nora. And then she, just this book came out, you know, this poured out of her, this way to make this her story and to make it funny and to be smart about marriage and uh, betrayal and and to throw all the food in, you know, which is for Nora, food was an expression of every feeling you could have in the world. Um, her life was very bound up with food. So that to me, you know, it was interesting for me to read it because I hadn't read it in years. And, uh, and then when I was going to do this podcast, I thought I'd better read the book, you know, <laughs> I just was stunned by how smart and funny and, and wicked it is. And I mean, talk about taking something that happens to you and turning it into your story. Honestly, it's gorgeous. There are a couple of things that struck me. I also read it. I read it a long time ago, maybe when it came out and, um, and then I read it two weeks ago, same reason, because we're going to talk about it, because we are talking about it. And one, I'm like, 
it doesn't seem that angry to me. It's like amazingly wise. It really is so wise. But, you know, maybe this is just her getting it out, but it just doesn't feel like... Do it's you know not... You rem- I agree with you. It's yeah. not angry. It's funny. It's hilarious. That's why it's so wildly funny. That That's what the genius of it is. She took what must have been a lot of anger and must she turned been. it into a comic masterpiece. I, I think it's an absolutely amazing book. I was stunned by how good it was when yeah, I read it. It's so wise. There's so much brilliant stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Stuff that no one had. And, and, you know, so it was written in the 80s? Uh, I Late will, 70s or early 80s, right? Eight, 83. You know, there was that time when there was this sort of flourishing of very angry, for want of a better term, chiclet, um, books about breakups and books about betrayal or books by women who were just fed up and were leaving their husbands and so on. And there, were, there was a lot. I read a lot of it, too. I kind of liked it. This is so different. This is like so, to me, the two most striking things are the absence of anger not complete absence of anger but relative absence of anger and then i had completely forgotten she's a food writer and i start reading it and i'm like wait she's doing better food writing than me and it was <laughs> really making me I mad think by the way i would like to say that um <clears throat> well what did you say delia i missed it i said that that Mark is a very good food writer. Yeah. I missed him a lot at the times. I think he's fabulous. So, um, but I don't think Nora thought of herself as a food writer. I think that the food, I think that, well, we grew up in a house where food was a very important thing in the sense that my my mother was a working woman and very proud of it. And she never, uh, just to quote some horrible article about her I read, but she was a successful writer. I never go into the kitchen except to get ice for my scotch. Okay. <laughs> but it's a good line. It is, but unfortunately true. Yeah. Since that she did have a bit of a drinking problem. So, but because she made money and because she was stunned to have become a rich woman, she was born very poor. We had a we had a, a cook from Louisiana, a black woman named Evelyn Hall, who was absolutely a genius at food. And I had the most amazing pies and brownies and cookies and biscuits and you know dinner was on the more normal side. It was more like um, roast beef and string beans and and amazing potatoes and stuff it was it was on the more you know in the 50s things were rather but evelyn you know was not only a lovely woman but a a genius at at baking anything and so we grew up with a tremendous appreciation for food and my mother was very proud of of the fact that she had this wonderful food in the house not that she did it and then my mother discovered julia child and started making Evelyn make things with onions and stuff. So <laughs> it was kind of, um, you know, the family went into that phase. But I think that that had a big, all my sisters are good cooks. 
And with Nora, she just embraced food as a kind of, I mean, this in this book, food's very important. It's not that she's just giving recipes, you know, she's giving recipes that have to do with what she feels at that moment. Right. Does she base Rachel on any particular food writer or it was just her inner food writer coming out? Oh, Rachel's based on Nora. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's definitely a romantic cleft in a way. I mean, it really is. It's a story of of her being betrayed and leaving, you know, the man and moving to New York and trying to make sense of every single thing that could mean in a woman's life. Did she really hate Washington, D.C. that much? I believe she must have. <laughs> I did not know that until I read this book, but I believe that that was the best part of the divorce. <laughs> it's really funny. At the beginning, anyway. Um, yeah, I think so. But you never know. You know, you can take on a... You can start to dislike something and then realize it's working so well for you that you just keep going at it. I mean, she certainly satirized it, Washington. There's... um. This amazing quote about the shuttle from Washington to New York. Here it is. It seems to me that the Eastern shuttle was almost a perfect reflection of the Puritan tradition in its attempt to make a virtue out of suffering, abstinence, and plainness. And it always seemed fitting that one Eastern shuttle flies New York to Boston, where the Puritan tradition began, and the other flies New York to Washington, where those produced by that tradition are rewarded with the power to force the rest of the country to heal to its values. So good. There's so many quotes. I think my favorite is, of course, I'd rather be to New York than to anything else. <laughs> uh, because, you know, living here, that's how you feel, or you have to, or else you should leave. But um, I'm wondering if there are any quotes that you love in particular that stick out for you, because I really was like, I could just write down all of these things. Oh, no, you know, I just, it, what I liked for me the most was that it really brought Nora alive to me. And since she's gone and I miss her so much, you know, it, reading this book is, is spending, you know, a couple of hours or days with my sister um, who could take anything and spin it into a really riveting way. And, uh, and, and for me, it was a kind of discovery as well, because that's a long time ago. And uh, I, I, you know, I remember the, did they still have the shuttle to Washington? Not the way it used to be, but. No, but I remembered suddenly being on that line once going to Washington, you know, and I think for some people that was, it was like, it was a subway, you know, it was a way of life. They go to LaGuardia, they got on the line, they got on the, you know, and, and Nora being a New Yorker would especially dislike Washington, I think, because it's such a company town. I think one of the wonderful things about New York is it's not a company town. There's a million companies, there's a million art forms, there's a million different jobs everybody has here. It doesn't, it's not defined by one thing. And, you know, LA is defined by the movie business and the television business, show businesses, LA, you know, and and I think unfortunately now San Francisco is very much the tech business, you know, but you know, and Washington was running the country. It's just government. So, you know, we live in New York because it's for everybody and there's everything going on here of all different forms. And I, so I, I was, uh, it was, it's interesting to read it just because there's so much uh, sociology in it. My dad and I specifically share two sort of poignant 
memories that are directly related to your family, which I don't know that we can say that about anybody else, but the first is Sleepless in Seattle because we watched it so many times and we love An Affair to Remember. We just watched An Affair to Remember over Christmas. I have to make all the young people watch An Affair to Remember every now and then. (laughs) (laughs) And then the second is when I was researching the podcast, your parents wrote Carousel. Well, Wait a minute. Rogers and Hammerstein wrote Carousel. <laughs> right. Well, right. The screenplay. Broadway, you know, they did the screenplay for Carousel. That is correct. I mean, it's but, the best you know, movie it's an musical ad- it's a ever. film adaptation that is very much based completely on the play. So, you know, I don't mean that they didn't do a nice job. I'm just saying, you know, they did invent it. <laughs> That's for sure. It's Mark's favorite. Like, he cries every I'm single time he hears crying that. Now, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I have to tell you this. When I was a kid, at night they would show the dailies of, of whatever was shooting. Wow! You know? And you would go to a screening. Well, they—I mean, at the studio, it was private. It was for somebody who was on the movie. But um, you know, things didn't come in by computer then. Now, now they just send you the dailies on your video. But so we. My father went to, was going to the studio because he also produced that movie. And he was going to the studio to see the dailies one night with Carousel. And it was the night that they shot You'll Never Walk Alone, you know, after Billy Bigelow dies. And he did not know that. And he took me with him. <laughs> I saw 56 takes of this thing. And I was like sobbing hysterically. Imagine. He got me out of there. I don't know how when carousel came out but i mean it was 57 so, i think yeah 58. It, was, it was really um okay so it's like 11 you know anyway so i've cried a lot over that movie i, <laughs> I have too lately. haven't seen it lately i have you'll too. cry if you do well yeah in part you'll cry because it turns out it's a story about spouse abuse you know <laughs> it's very 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 uh <laughs> Not politically correct. No, it's not politically correct. And uh, (laughs) I think there's this thing in it I remember quite well. He slapped her and it felt like a kiss or something like that. No, no, that's um, a horrible line like that. He slaps his daughter when he comes back to Earth and and she says, Did you ever get hit by somebody and it doesn't hurt? It just feels like a yeah, like it feels like a kiss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You start you I start as you just have to play me the first few notes of the overture. I'll start crying. <laughs> it's insane. It's when true. they sing "If I Love You," I'm like already in a puddle on the floor. Right. But I think it was the first <laughs> really sentimental work of art that I'd ever seen in my life because I, oh. I was seven or eight, and my parents took me to, you know, a big movie theater in Times Square, and and we saw it, and I was just like, like and then. You know, we grew up in sort of the golden era of Broadway, and we saw Julie Andrews and Rex Harrison and My Fair Lady and all of that oh stuff. Oh, my but God. To I me, know. this was... Oh, I'm so jealous. <laughs> they're bringing back Camelot. And I said, oh, yeah, I saw Camelot with Richard Burton, Robert Goulet, and Julie Andrews. Yep, I did. I don't remember it, but there I was. Anyway... That's actually a good transition into what we wanted to we wanted to ask about the movie of Heartburn. Right. No, I don't I don't know very much about the movie of Heartburn. I, I haven't seen it recently and I don't remember uh Nora talking about it when it was being made particularly. Uh 
I know it was not that successful a movie, but I haven't seen it, so I can't assess that in any way. Uh, why? What did you want to know about it? That no one who was casted was Jewish. Oh, you know, that's a <laughs> It's continu- a movie about Jews played by non-Jews. I think that's a continual thing that goes on in uh, movies. Uh, that's hardly the only one. No, uh, it's hardly the only one. I just wondered if you knew anything about that, because it is no, curious. It's not... I mean, what, you know, Meryl Streep, she's a genius, so, you know. Right. And Jack Nicholson. I, but the, I listened to her do the audiobook last week, and it's so good. Oh, oh, she did the audiobook. Well, see, she's wonderful. I mean, You should listen to it. It's really good. Wouldn't want Meryl Streep to play you, so there you go. Right, I guess that's the answer. It's just and so she, funny. I mean, you know, this is Mike Nichols' movie. I mean, Mike Nichols cast his movie. I'm sure he discussed it with Nora and with the casting person and made a lot of, you know, but Mike was a genius at what he did. And and in that department was thought to be extraordinary. Well, that makes me want to watch it because there's not that many not good Mike Nichols movies. Now I'm going to watch it. And we'll be back in just a minute with more from Delia Efron with me and Kate. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're all drinking more water these days, and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe, clean, unpolluted water. Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. 
They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals, in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water, less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water, and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bittman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? a tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out. I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Movies are very, very, very difficult, much more difficult in ways than books because there are collaborations. And the minute more than one person is working on something and it's an art form, it, it, it has, you know, It has a million different ways of succeeding and a million different ways of failing. And uh, I mean, the part of what's the beauty of Heartburn is the strong voice of Nora, the book. I mean, Heartburn, the book is, is that, you know, you can't look at the movie and say, well, Nora was responsible for this. There's what, I don't know, 500 people responsible for that movie. And there's a, there's no almost, I mean, one of the great things about having a book before it's a movie is that then no matter what happens in the movie, you can always say to yourself as the writer, but I have the book and the book is my voice. It is my way. It's how I saw it. And that's what's so great about Harper. That's a really good point. It's a very specific book and it's very nuanced and it really is one person's voice. And I, I would never, I mean, 
it would be impossible to remake that. And I remember seeing the movie and thinking it was pretty good. But it's like a different, it's totally different. It's just not the same. You're right. It's not the same project. No. So you and Nora, when you started writing scripts with her, she said that the two of you shared half a brain, which I feel like that about my sister, too. So that really touched me. I feel me. like that about all my, all my sisters, actually. We we just share, share different parts. and But Nora and I had a kind of, I don't know, there was a there was a tone to both of us that uh, sort of seeing the world that was the same but different. And uh, I mean, we're quite different, but I, I, can, I sound like her. And I... We look similar so that, I mean, I've walked into a drugstore and been mistaken for her when she was alive, you know, and things like that. But there's a, there was a slightly twinny quality. And that, for me, that's what was always a confusion being the younger sister, because I had to figure out who I was in a very, you know, much more powerful way than, than she did. So, uh, but we started collaborating on, when, on Meg Wolitzer's book. Uh, it's, Let's see. It's this is your life is what the book is called. Well, I can't always flip this. It's the book is this is your life and the movies this is my life, hmm. or it's <laughs> the opposite. I wonder if I've read that. I've met I haven't read that. I've read a bunch of her stuff, but I haven't read that one. That was the first a thing that you guys worked story on. Story about two sisters and a mom who is a working mother, and for Nora to do it as her first movie, and for us to collaborate together for the first time on something that was about two sisters and a mom. What could be better? We had so much fun. How did it work? How do you write together? Well, you know, because Nora was the director, that meant she, the older sister in stone, right? Um, <laughs> so, uh, but, um, and I wasn't as experienced as she was. She'd written When Harry Met Sally, which is a masterpiece. Um, and that was why she was given the opportunity to direct, which is very rare for a woman. And um, then, and uh, and this book is wonderful. And um, I just, driving me crazy that i don't know whether it's this is my life is the book it is yeah okay then is this is your life and it's about two sisters and their mother decides to become a comedian and it's about so it's all about sibling relationships and it's about dealing with a working mom and the working mom which is julie kavner played you know it's about her conflict between wanting to be a mother and wanting to be a star and so it was just this perfect material for us. And we'd grown up in hall in, in LA. I mean, my family wasn't Hollywood in that way. They they were writers. Writers are writers. They're not, you know, celebrities. But that was the world that we had grown up in. So we understood that world a little bit too. And Nora was already rather famous. So it was a perfect thing to collaborate on. And I knew how to write a screenplay because my husband, Jerry, had taught me. He was a screenwriter. And um, I learned a lot from both of them as we worked. And what we did was, you know, we we talked about what it was about, what the themes were. We outlined it. We would sit together and I, I would write a pass at a scene. Then she would rewrite it or she would write it. And then I would rewrite it. Or, you know, it was uh, very early. I'm trying to think. I guess there was email then, so we would send things to each other. I lived in L.A. then, and Nora lived in New York, so I came east. So we would fly back and forth, and and it was, in the beginning, both being completely ignorant in some way of going forward with Nora to direct. It was the most fun I think I've ever had creatively. 
I mean, it was just a blast. And it was a small movie. It was it wasn't expensive. So everybody was in the same hotel in Toronto and we would all hang out in the bar at night. And I mean, Norm, I don't even drink really, but we would all be hanging out. And there was a feeling of, of you know, camp. Mm. <laughs> it was like all those Judy Garland movies or something, you know, with <laughs> Mooney and we were, you know. So, uh, and and the only thing that matters about your first movie, absolutely love this movie, by the way. I'm sure you haven't. If you haven't. I haven't. I will. You will. If you have a sister, you will. It will really. It's so darling, that movie. What we knew about the movie was that it just needed to be good enough to get Nora another movie. And we personal, <laughs> and we always knew that personal. It was harder to fail with a personal movie. Something personal is something you understand in your bones. So even though it was not a hit at all, and it was not even distributed, it was distributed in Chicago, New York, and L.A. It got Nora sleepless in Seattle, and that was, of course, a, a stupendous hit. Oh my god. And, um, a great joy. Oh my God. It's perfect. It's really perfect. I, I rewatched a lot of our movies when I hadn't seen them in years, but during COVID, I was, you know, reduced to doing almost anything that would happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I watched it and loved it so much. Besides, write together, did you cook together? It was very intimidating to cook with Nora. Because you could think that you might do it wrong or something, even though there wasn't really a right way. It wasn't like she was following, you know, her her food was very earthy, you know. But I I remember always thinking, oh, I'm going to screw up the salad dressing or I'm going to screw up the, you know, I'm, I'm not going to chop these right or something that there wasn't. I always needed to please her so much. So for me, I can't say, but we loved eating together so much. And also, have you ever had the Blum's Coffee Crunch Cake? I don't think so. Well, you should order it immediately <laughs> on Gold Belly because they make it at Valerie's Confections in California. And it was a cake we grew up with, and we never knew how to make the coffee crunches. And I remember one day Nora called me on the phone and said, can you hear me? And she starts slamming at something. And I hear all this cracking going on. She said, <laughs> I'm making the coffee crunches. You know, so there was a kind of joyfulness to things that she did. And and being in the eating with her or, you know, I mean, she would call up and say, oh, you know, where should we go to dinner? So then I would suggest something. But she already knew where she wanted to go. So I had just wasted uh, exactly three minutes <laughs> on this. And we ended up where she wanted to be. But she always liked to order a lot of food. You know, I mean, if you wanted to taste something, you should order it to taste it. And uh, and and she loved parties. She loved to throw parties, you know. two Four was better than two. Six was better than four. Eight was better than six. So... And she she didn't always cook the whole thing. Like if she knew someplace made really great fried chicken, she could have the fried chicken from there and then make other things that went with it. She mm. didn't, she wasn't, um, she was an earthy cook. She was not a, a fancy cook. And she liked to master things. I think she was very big on making chicken chow mein for a while, you know? I could see that. Yeah, there are things that, um, she she really was a great entertainer. You know, she would give a speech about how a table should be round. I mean, <laughs> Norma never had a thought that wasn't a thesis. Hmm. 
So, um, well, that's not really fair, but you know, it was absolutely great because I could call her and ask her anything, you know, which side of the ham is up. I mean, <laughs> she'd answer it and having her, you know, a call away was just very special for me. That's what I do with Mark. I text him <laughs> pictures of vegetables and ask what they are and. Right. Like when yeah, I, exactly. Well, mm-hmm. you know, having someone in your life that understands everything like that. Okay. Last question. What'd you have for dinner last night? Um, my, well, my husband's on a diet and his diets means he doesn't eat dinner. Okay. Wow. Oh, wow. So then, so I had to figure out what I wanted and I decided at about six that I wanted a steak and some potatoes. Because I had had a salad for lunch, and so I was done for the day with my greens. So I went to Knickerbocker. You know mm. Knickerbocker? Oh, yeah. I love that place. Corner of Ninth uh, mm-hmm. University and Ninth Street. Yeah. And I ordered, a, I think I just ordered the, you know, the steak frites, but I didn't get them with the frites. I got them with sautéed potatoes. And I picked it up. Peter and I walked over there and I picked it up and brought it home and I ate it. (laughs) Good one. (laughs) One of the great things about being a New Yorker is there's so many places around you to buy food. I have a great, I have a Pudo, I have little rubies, I have my beloved Il Cantanori, I have, you know, so cooking has not been something I've been doing that much lately. One of the great things about living in Putnam County is that there's like <laughs> no place to eat and every place that you go, you hate. So um, oh my God. it's For like the, you're forced to cook terrible. all the time and the ingredients are awesome. <laughs> so it's really to your advantage to cook all the time. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank it's been you, a Delia. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Good to meet you. All right. Bye. Bye. I'm going to give you the recipe for Rachel's vinaigrette, the one Delia read about at the beginning of this episode, the vinaigrette that Rachel, the character in Heartburn, can't believe that Mark would risk losing. And here it is. Mix two tablespoons Grey Poupon mustard with two tablespoons good red wine vinegar. Then, whisking constantly with a fork, slowly add six tablespoons of olive oil until the vinaigrette is thick and creamy. This makes a very strong vinaigrette that's perfect for salad greens like arugula and watercress and endive. And here's another for lima beans in pears because it sounds so interesting. Admittedly, not in season right now, but one to bookmark for sure, also from Heartburn. Take six cups defrosted lima beans, six pears peeled and cut into slices, a half cup molasses, a half cup chicken stock, a half of an onion chopped, Put that into a heavy casserole and cover and bake for 12 hours at 200 degrees. These both are very um, of the moment, 70s, late 70s, early 80s recipes. They'll be familiar, or their spirit at least will be familiar to those of you who are around them. Enjoy. Let us know what you think. When I was reading Heartburn, which I read maybe not 40 years ago, but 39 years ago, I was so surprised because I'd forgotten that Rachel was a food writer. And then as I'm reading through it, I'm like, 
this woman's really a great food writer, but it's a fictional character and Nora Ephron wasn't a food writer, though she could have been. And she would have been better than me, which sort of bums me out. Anyway, thanks to the great Delia Ephron for joining us and speaking so openly. This was a special, I thought, warm, loving, fabulous episode. You can follow Delia on Instagram and Twitter at Delia Ephron. That's at D-E-L-I-A-E-P-H-R-O-N. The 40th anniversary of Heartburn is out now, as is Delia's memoir, Left on 10th. Thanks for listening. Thanks, as usual, to my co-host and producer, Kate Bittman, and to our engineer, Davis Lloyd. We will see you next week when we'll have somebody amazing. Bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.